So we've got a little banner over here that I'm going to pull front and centre stage. I didn't want it at the front while we were worshipping, so otherwise it would be like some sort of golden calf. We could all... Oh, hang on. Risk assessment. So I'm going to put this here. Can you all see that all right? Yeah. Great. And so one of the things we wanted to do, we've been... I, I want to give you a little bit of a potted history of our church, of Hope Church Sittingbourne. For some of you, you're a little bit new to the church, so that would be good for you to know a little bit about who we are, where we're from, um, and kind of what, what's coming up this year, really. So it's, this is a bit of a... Um, obviously, with the, the year, it's 2020, isn't it? And so you might have heard lots of talk. It's like one of those things, what's your 2020 vision? It's like the buzzword, isn't it? If you're in business or even in the church, that's the thing. We've got a new 2020 vision. The, the Lord has spoken to us about our 2020 vision. Um, uh, and for us, it's the same. We, we've kind of got a vision that we've called a 20 times 20 vision. It's a vision of multiplication. Um, this is our church logo, which is about multiplication. So it's like right embedded in the heart of what we want to be about is multiplication. And so on the 7th of May, 2018, um, our family of five plus the dog moved to Sittingbourne. And that was kind of, for us, that was the beginning of Hope Church. God had started speaking to us about it before then. Um, I remember meeting up with Adam Gregory um, in the Golden Hope, I think it was in February or something like that, January or February that year, and he was like, I want to just share some contacts with you, I'm not thinking about joining the church, and um, now we've got the wonderful Gregory family with us, because God had other plans for them, which was amazing. Um, but on the 21st of October 2018, we started fortnightly Sundays here, so bless you, Teresa, bless you. So we started fortnightly Sundays here. On the 6th of January, so just over a year ago, we started weekly Sundays. So we've been meeting here in this place. One of the things we said we're really thankful for is just like the open door we've been given by Acosta to meet here in this space. It's so perfect just for us starting out where we're at. We, you'll hear in a minute, we, we might not be here forever. In fact, I'm hoping we're not here forever. If we are, we've got a problem um, in that we're not multiplying, we're not growing. Um, but hopefully there will be an expression of Hope Church here. Um, but I believe God's got far more for us than just meeting in this place and having a nice Sunday. On the 10th of December 2019, so just a few weeks ago, uh, we officially became a charity. So Hope Church had grown. Yeah, that's good. We can be thankful for that. A little round of applause. Um, and so our little family of five has now grown to a family of, I don't know, 30, 35, including some of those who aren't here this morning, which is great. We've got friends who've joined us from all sorts of places, from Faversham, uh, from Medway. Um, we've got other friends who are local as well. It's super exciting, super exciting. In March or April, we had our first person respond to the gospel and be baptised, which was Arnold, which is like, woo, 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 our Superman, our Superman. <laughs> and so... Um, and so it's great that we've grown by 30, 35, you know, there's 30, 35 of us. That's amazing. But we would love for there to be 30, 35 stories of like Arnold's where people are like, actually, I didn't know Jesus is the Lord of my life and I'm obediently following him and his teaching through baptism and just being a disciple. Like we could grow a church through just giving out free coffees and really nice cakes. And we could just come to us, come to us. And we'd probably pick up a lot of Christians doing that. Um, but we're not interested just in, like, to be crass, bums on seats. Oh, look, we've got a Sunday of 200 people. How many people have come to Jesus? Well, one. Like, it's worth moving for one person. For us to have seen one person, to have Arnold as part of the kingdom of God, 
that's worth it. We're just so thankful. That's what we've moved for. But we believe Jesus has called us not just to addition, adding ones and twos and threes, but actually to see multiplication. So if you think of 20 times 20, any mathematicians, 20 times 20, it's not deep, deep algebra. 20 times 20 is 400. 400. Well done, Teresa. You can have a gold star for that. <laughs> yeah, 400. I, I had to use my calculator this morning. I was like, oh yeah, it's like, it should be quite easy. Um, but I want you to, there's nothing special about 20 times 20 other than it's 2020. So our 20, 2020 vision is about 20 times 20, which if you just think of like, so if we were saying, well, what if we all saw someone come to Jesus this next year? If, if we made that our goal, what if we could all just pray and believe that one friend, if we invested in lots of relationships, that one friend we know would respond to Jesus, not because of our wise and persuasive persuasive words but because of prayer because of fasting and our faithful diligence in just being a great friend um, and a believer and living our life and serving someone and loving them and praying for them that by the grace of God each of us might see one person come to Jesus well that would be amazing wouldn't it and so imagine that over a few years that 20 times 20 you're, you're looking at a church of 400 the reason I like the thing of 20 times 20 is because actually when you get to 400 Everything we do looks radically different than what we're doing now. When we were a family of five, the, the, the Sunday before we had our first Sunday here, our family of five literally sat at this table. There were five of us sat around this table with a Bible, and we, would, we were just like, this is what Sundays might look like. We don't know who's going to come. We had an idea of some friends from Faversham that were coming. We were like, we don't know what it's going to look like. It could just be the five of us for the next three or four years. We've got friends who are planting over in Sheppey, and, and, and it's, they're very much about being a house church at the moment. And for us, the reason we actually started Sundays was because our front room couldn't hold what God was starting to do. So we felt like, okay, let's start meeting here. And God's just added to us and added to us. And so if God keeps adding and adding to us, there will come a point, maybe when we hit 60, 70, 80 people, where this space just on a Sunday isn't big enough. One of the things we're already talking about is midweek when we meet in homes, um, at the moment, we do everything all together all the time. Um, this is just us together. But you look at, like, who's got a front room big enough for 35 people? 30, 35 people. You're very, that's something to be, that, that's something to be, that we're all coming to your house this week. Yeah. But that's something to be really thankful for. But most of us, we just can't, in a group of 30, 35 people, we can't be known. And if over the next year we all saw someone come to Jesus, we need to multiply what we're doing in the week. Everything needs to multiply. So we're not just talking about multiplying disciples. We need to multiply connection points. Uh, we need to multiply the word of God in other people's lives to see people come to Jesus. And so what I want you to do is have a quick look at Acts 12:24 in your Bibles, if you've got a Bible. I want you to do this on your tables. Maybe do it in pairs just so you can have a little chat. It's a very short verse. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it. We've already looked at it, but we just sort of want to underline what it says Acts 12:24 Has someone got it? Okay, do you want to read out not just shout out nice and loud Acts 12:24 what does it say in your version? So the word of God continued to increase and spread. Anyone got anything different at all? Increased and multiplied, the word of God increased and multiplied. Anyone got anything else? Most versions say that. The word increased and multiplied. 
Okay? And so, I was really struck by this verse, um, kind of, I guess for the last few months really, just reading it. And this is a phrase that comes up again and again and again through the book of Acts. It comes up again and again and again. That the word of God increased and it multiplied. And some, some translations say, and, and disciples multiplied. And so, just breaking it down into, uh, what we're looking at, three words. So the words is basically the knowledge of Jesus. When you look at that, where it says word, it's the logos, the knowledge of God, the, the knowledge of Jesus. So the testimony of Jesus grew, and so that growing looks like, the word that's used is an organic term that you would use, like in the Greek, it's actually used for growing a plant. So if you think of a little plant... Imagine this is a plant pot, and there's not pens in it. This is a plant pot. You put a seed in, and then that slowly is going to grow and grow and grow. What happens when this grows to a certain point? What do most plants do? They reproduce. Yeah, yeah, they flower, and then there are seeds that drop on the floor, or bees or birds come and scatter them elsewhere, the wind, and then it reproduces. And so that second word, multiplied, is, is different than the growing. So the growing is a slow, organic, natural growth, and then it multiplied. And so what happened is the word of God grew like a plant. And where, where did it grow? Did it grow in the soil? In people. So the word of God was planted into people like a seed. It grew naturally and organically, was nurtured and tended to and watered, and fed, all that sort of stuff. And then it came to a point where like any other organic thing that grows, it had to multiply. If it's healthy, it then multiplies. And so that multiplication, where did it multiply? If it's grown in a person, where's it multiplied into? Other people. So it's a bit, to use a, it's a horrible analogy, but it's a bit like a viral disease. You know, so one person catches it, and then it's passed on to another person, then it's passed on to another person, and it goes viral. And so very much like what we see here is in Acts, the word of God, the knowledge of Jesus grew in people's hearts as it was implanted into people and it multiplied exponentially into other people, so much so that it was no longer the original person that was responsible for making it happen. So it's gone viral. Like it, it wasn't controlled centrally. It wasn't done by one person. It just went like wildfire. A bit like a viral video, you know, like you see on Facebook, you see a video, it's got like... 3 billion views and you think man that's not one person sharing it to three it's just gone everyone's sharing it with one another like look at this this is so funny check this out and then they're sharing it and before you know it it's just gone way beyond one person's ability to share it or to know where it's gone or to know what's happened to it and so when we strip it back the very thing that's been multiplied is the knowledge of Jesus and that's what we're here here for is to share the knowledge of Jesus. That's why we've moved, is because we, we believe that there are people that need to know the gospel of grace, the knowledge of Jesus, that there's a God who loves them, he wants them to be in relationship with them, and he's laid his life down on a cross so that people could know that. That's why we've sold up our home, that's why we've moved, that's why I've given up a really well-paid job, so that we could be here. And for many of you, there's been similar stories of sacrifice, giving up friendship networks, giving up family situations, coming and moving to be, to be here. Literally travelling traveling great distance to be here. Because you believe that God has called you to share the gospel with people who haven't as of yet heard it yet. That's why we're here. It's not because of the coffee, as great as the coffee is. It's not because of the cake, as great as the cake is. We could have cake, coffee and cake at home, couldn't we? It's not because of the worship, as great as the worship is. It's not because of the preaching, as 
you know, it's as bad as the preaching is. <laughs> Depends who's preaching, I guess. But, but the reason we're here, like, the, the, so we've been here 18 months now. That's kind of like the point of history. And we knew initially, like, we felt like the vision or the mission might be to honour Jesus, to make disciples, and to reach nations. God's not about some small local thing. He's actually called us here. Already we've got a heart for Swale, a, thing called a heart for Kent, but God's got a heart for the nations. Go and make disciples of all nat- nations, teaching them everything I've commanded you, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Because that's that's the, the, the great commission. It's a massive vision. And so we wanted to have a, a mission statement, really, that captivated this sense of everybody having a story to tell and share with everybody else. It's not just for those who are evangelists to, to go and share the gospel. We're all witnesses. Everyone is a witness to what Jesus has done in your life. That's what we've been sharing this morning, just thankfulness. I'm just really thankful that Jesus has given me family. I'm really thankful that Jesus has called us here. I'm really thankful that Jesus has helped us in a tough time where we've been without work. And that's, that's the story. That's what being a witness is. It's just witnessing what God is doing in your life right now. It's not having the perfect evangelism strategy. It's not knowing apologetics and all of the different answers to why is there suffering in the world. And what about the perfect person living in a village that's never heard the gospel? What if they die? What happens? You don't need to know all of that. What you need to know is what Jesus is doing in your life. And be confident enough that there's power in those words as you utter the name of Jesus to people. That spiritually it does something to people. When you witness to Jesus as a healthy plant grows, as you witness to Jesus, there's like a seed that gets implanted into other people and that seed needs to be watered, but God makes it grow. It's an exciting thing. It's not down to us to do, have the perfect plans. Or now, of course, we can stuff things up. We can make huge mistakes. I remember the time I was sharing the gospel with my brother. We were in the car. Um, I was driving. We were going to the airport. He was captive audience, sat next to me in the car. He couldn't get out, couldn't go anywhere. We were on the motorway. And then it was going really great. He was asking me questions. And then someone cut in front of me. I put my foot on the brake and I was unregenerate in that moment. I was, I was effing and blinding and swearing. And it was the what I felt. So This wasn't recently, just to add. This was a while ago. But I felt like I really let down God. I felt like I'd discredited the opportunity that it presented to me. And, um, and, and ultimately, you know, kind of discredited myself before my brother. Um, and so we can really make mistakes and we can stuff things up. We can, we can not share the gospel accurately. But actually, God kind of moves through everything. God talks through donkeys. That's what I love about the Bible. You look in the Bible, God will use everyone and anyone anywhere. He's, he's not looking for like... The, the qualified, he doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. And so if we know that we're called, he qualifies you. So your very step of obedience is your qualification. The very fact that you're prepared to enter into doing something new, God blesses that. Like last week, I just quickly shared the story of, we, we just faithfully went out on the streets. To be honest, half of us didn't want to go out there. I was one of them. And it was just amazing, as we stepped out, to hear all these stories afterwards, after one hour, 92 people in Holland had heard about Jesus, had been offered prayer. Some had been, had resp- like one person responded to the gospel. So there's literally someone been born into the kingdom who's now hopefully going to be brought through into discipleship. Just out of stepping out in obedience and God doing something. It wasn't because we said the right things. It wasn't because we had the perfect technique. It wasn't because of what we were doing. It's just that we were being obedient to the Great Commission to go and make disciples. And so for us, our vision or our mission this year, so it's, this isn't like a one-year thing. We believe that because we've been here long enough, we've kind of had a chance to distill everything that we believe to be true about what God's called us to. And this is the most succinct kind of way for us to, to communicate it. 
<laughs> Brilliant. And so, taking this in this verse and the Great Commission, this is what we aspire to be. It's aspirational. We're not saying, rah, rah, we're here, we're going, to do, we're going to change the world. We need to have a bit of humility. We can't do anything. But what we can do is give ourselves to growing and multiplying. So this whole thing of growing and multiplying, there's some of it we can do. We tend to stuff and growth comes. And then the multiplying is about sharing and spreading like the parable of the guy who scatters the seed. He does it liberally everywhere. So we aspire to be a people who grow and multiply the hope of Jesus in the hearts of everyone, everywhere, every day. And so I'm just going to break this down a little bit. We've already looked at growing and multiplying. We get an idea of what that is. It's quite organic language. We don't live in a farming community, but we all get our things grow. And if they're healthy, things that grow tend to multiply. Yeah? You're all happy with that? I don't need to go over that again. And then the hope of Jesus is basically who Jesus is. It's this word, the testimony of who Jesus is. And we've tried to be really, really clever. I want you to think of Hope Church And every time you think of Hope Church, our name is Hope. And so this hope, in capitals, that we're multiplying is actually these four things. But I think if we give ourselves to, this is is the apostolic mission of God. That we would honour Jesus in everything that we do. Not just on a Sunday when we're worshipping, but when we're doing our self-assessment taxes. You know, whatever it looks like. When we find money on the floor in the supermarket... We're going to honour Jesus. We're not going to pocket things for ourselves. We're not going to be dishonest. We're not going to do those sorts of things. We're going to honour Jesus in everything, in our relationships, in the way that we talk about one another when we're not in the room with one another. We're going to honour Jesus in the way that we conduct ourselves. Not that we're going to be perfect. We're going to honour Jesus when we're in front of the computer on our own late at night. We're going to honour Jesus in every conceivable way. We're not looking that as soon as we're on our own, what can I get up to now? We're really looking to try and honour Jesus with integrity. That our lives are going to conform to honouring Jesus. That we live before an audience of one and we want to honour him in all of our dealings. We see that in the Bible, that as people honour Jesus in their dealings, he's he's faithful and he seems to promote people. He seems to give people influence. Not because they're clever people, but because they're faithful. And he loves doing that. That we're going to be a people who, the O is for obeying his word. That they're going to obey the word of God. So as we read the word of God, we're not just going to let it tickle our ears on a Sunday like it's some philosophical exercise, but we're actually going to give ourselves to putting it into practice. So as we hear what it is to be a household of God, we're not going to say, well, isn't that a wonderful thing? Look, it's all in Genesis. We're going to think, how do we practically be a household of God? What do we need to do tomorrow? That we read the word. Like Jesus said, it's not enough that you know the word, but you put it into practice. Those are the ones who love me. They hear my teaching and they put it into practice. Does that sound alright? Yeah. Isn't too radical? Yeah. That we be a people who pray, not just for ourselves, but beyond ourselves. That we would have a heart that's big. Have you ever seen The Grinch? There's this amazing little, it's a, it's a Christmas film, there's this amazing little statement where it says that his heart was two sizes too small. I've been in some churches where it feels like everyone's hearts are two sizes too small. It's not a lot of fun. I'm hoping we don't end up like that. I'd love us to have a heart that's almost two sizes too big. It's not just got a heart for our own church, but for our town, for the region that we live in, for the nations, that we'd be out of love way beyond ourselves. And if whatever we love, we pray for. We all love ourselves because we want to pray for ourselves a lot. Help me with this. Help me with that, God. That's not a problem. Praying for our neighbours who don't know Jesus, have we got a heart big enough to do that? Have we got a heart big enough to pray for our work colleagues? Have we got a heart big enough to pray for the people that really irritate us? 
and wind us up. And if we could, we'd dishonour ourselves in what we do when no one's looking. Let their tyres down, or whatever it might be. You know, take the lid off their milk, put it out of the fridge. <laughs> I've, I've terrible, I've got a dark heart, you can tell. But that we would be a people who would consistently pray beyond ourselves for the power of God to move in our generation. Because we can only push so much, but when we pray, God's able to push a lot more, more than we are. God's able to literally turn people around. People who are headed for an eternity without him, he's able to turn their hearts around. So will we be a people who pray beyond ourselves and then everyone who witnesses that he, that we would all be able to testify to the work of God in our lives in practical ways. And we can train that. We can, you know, there's all sorts of things we can do to help one another in that. It's scary. Would we actually be bold enough just to share, like we've done this morning, it's nice and safe when we do it here, but what about on Monday when people say, what did you do at the weekend? I went to Costa. Well, that's one step. I I went to Costa to meet up with my church. (gasps) You go to church? Yeah. Have I ever told you about how I became a Christian? And then you're straight into a gospel share. It's great. And people will love to hear your story. They might not like what you say, but they're they're usually interested in hearing your story because it's your experience. It's a great way to lead. But so we want to be a people who multiply this, that we'd honour Jesus, we'd obey his word, we'd pray beyond ourselves, and all of us would be confident in sharing the gospel. Gospel confidence. It's massive. If we could be a people who could replicate that, give ourselves to grow in that, in our own hearts, and then multiplying that, not just amongst ourselves, but into the world which God has placed us. So that looks like Sittingbourne, it looks like your new workplace, it looks like all over the place. And we can do that kind of covertly and we can do it obviously so there's being very explicit and there's just you know being gracious and being thankful all these things that kind of ooze out and people are like there's something different about you what is it oh have I ever told you I go to church I'm a Christian blah, 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 blah. and so if we could multiply these things in the hearts of others and those others are everyone everywhere every day and so often what churches do rather than everyone we do it in the hearts of some let's just do it in our friends the people we know. Let's try and get them on an alpha course. That'll do it. And then, then you spend like a year just getting someone ready to invite them to a massive event that then gets them onto alpha. You've got about four or five steps before they even turn up to church to hear something about Jesus. And, and a lot of churches, I've, I've, I was saved through alpha. I love alpha. It's great. But I'm not sure it's the most effective way of disciples are meant to share the gospel with other people. That's I look at Acts, they weren't inviting people on an Alpha course to queue them up for three months to hear the gospel. It was everyone, everywhere, every day. It went viral. People were gossiping the gospel everywhere. Their hearts had been changed. They were like, guess what's just happened to me? The same thing that happened to that guy down the road. It can happen to you. Let me tell you about Jesus, this risen Messiah. And they were sharing the story and then people are being baptised left, right and centre. That's amazing. But yet we seem to, rather than everyone, it's some, some people... Rather than everywhere, it's, it's sort of centrally. So we say, well, let, let's just do it all together. Let's call everyone into a course or a group or an event. And it loses that organic, organic sense of it being able to go beyond. Because when it's one person or we're all organising it, it boundaries it. But as soon as it's all of us everywhere, it was amazing. When we were in Holland, like we downed tools. We were on the train back. We went to get, uh, Ghent in Germany, uh, sorry, in Belgium. And we had a couple of hours just, we'd literally just been dropped off. Someone had dropped us off in Ghent. And we were just about to get some food. We're walking down the road and this bloke comes up to us and says, have you got, excuse me, have you got any money? Um, sort of spoke a bit of English. And then we were like, it was a bit like, you know, gold and silver we do not have, but what we have we'll give to you. <laughs> so they're singing the gospel. 
And it was like that. Sorry, mate, all we've got is our credit cards, but we're, we're, we're Christians. Can we pray for you? What do you need? What, what do you need money for? And, and like that, that wasn't a central thing. That was everywhere. That wasn't a central thing. We'd, the central thing was the training, and there was this gospel opportunity right in front of us. Often, if we're not even thinking about this stuff, we miss it. We're so busy with our lives, we're just looking at what's going on in our own heart, our own family, maybe a challenge at work, it's just all getting a bit too much. And we lose a sense of actually, God has called me to be on mission all day, every day, 24-7. Not in a like, driven sense, but there are gospel opportunities everywhere. Opportunities to just clock something to pray about. People who are sitting in the corner looking lonely, you can almost see a word over their head about depression or alcohol, or whatever it might be, that God wants you to engage with them. But often we're just so consumed with, oh, I've just got to rush, get this done next, and then that we miss it. We forget that we're on a mission. Whereas if we were in the army, we would know we're in a mission. We've got a loaded gun. We know we're, we're under attack 24-7, and we've got a job to do. And I think in some ways we've been massively, heavily sedated and domesticated by life. We've lost sight of the fact that we're on a, we're on a mission to reach a broken world that is destined for destruction. It's like an amazing kind of wartime story. And we've lost it. We've lost a sense of it. And, we, and we've, you know, it becomes about coffee and cake and meeting together and meals and fun, which is great. But that real sense of like, we are here on a rescue mission to save people from hell. Serious business. And the only thing that can save them isn't us, it's the gospel of Jesus. It's the gospel of Jesus. And we're to become familiar with it, like you would if you were in an army and you had a gun to strip down and build up. You see it in some of the war films. We should be like that with the gospel. We should be so familiar with the story of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom, that when opportunities present themselves, we think, you know what, I've got a really powerful story I'd love to share with you. It'll change your life, It'll change mine. And we should have a confidence in that. It should ooze out of us. My own heart has been changed by the gospel. Yours could too. The stuff that you're going through, it's not an intellectual thing about how... What does God do in this circumstance or that circumstance? Look at Jesus and you'll find, you'll find all your answers. Just look at him. Respond to him. And so we want to multiply this in the hearts of everyone, everywhere, and it's every day. It's not just occasionally. Not just, oh, well, we've got an alpha course in six months. We'll share the gospel with people then. Or we've got this big crusade happening in, in I don't know, in the town. Andy Kind, Andy kind we've got Andy Kind, Christian comedian. Um, booked for next Christmas as our like, big Christmas event. We're not going to say, right, we'll just wait for, until then for people to, you know, we've got 12 months till the next gospel share. Let's just queue everyone up for Andy Kind. He'll do it for us. You know, like, I just, I just don't, I don't believe in that. I don't, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up if you do believe in it, but if you do believe in it, can we talk afterwards? Because this might not be the best church. It's not what we're going to give ourselves to. It's not the direction we're heading in. It's not what we're about. I, I long for us to rediscover this viral gospel that we see in Acts. doesn't mean we won't ever do Alpha. We might. I think it's a great actual discipleship tool for people who know a little bit about the Christian faith. The problem is a lot of millennials we're reaching, they've not heard about anything about to, to do with... They've heard more about mosques and about other things at school than they have about Christianity. They do, have no Judeo-Christian heritage. There is no, nothing. They, they're not asking questions about prayer and why should I read the Bible and who is Jesus. They just, it doesn't even register. And so this is what we want to give ourselves to, is to grow in and multiply in the hope of Jesus in the hearts of everyone, everywhere, every day. And that as we give ourselves to prayer and fasting, which we want to do quite regularly, 
and as we go out into the streets, and a bit like we did when there, was, there were six of us that went out and we prayed outside the keys for Adam, but he hadn't even put an application in. This was back in October, November. Now he's got a job there, and we were praying, Lord, give him a job here. It's just crazy. It's crazy. We also laid our hands on the cinema at the end of the thing because we knew that that would be closing at some point. Lord, give us this building. Love that building. It'd be amazing. We might have to save up a little bit, but, <laughs> but you just don't know what God's queuing up. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah, nice and loud, um, yeah. I don't take any credit for this for my husband. We've got, a, we've got an area in our garden which we, um, he cultivates. Um, and he grows all sorts of vegetables. It's about um, eight, it's only about eight foot by 30 foot down the side of the garden. And um, <laughs> he plants all sorts of different vegetables. They all have to be planted at different times, in different ways, yeah. and they all, all the vegetables grow in different, obviously lettuce and cabbage is more visible, uh, potatoes are totally hidden until you mm-hmm. have the bravery to pick them up and see what you've got. Some things you have to wait until after the first frost before you dig them up, like parsnips, because the frost sweetens them. Um, and so, don't get discouraged. Because <laughs> I do. Don't get discouraged with your story. Because God is working underground yeah. in someone's life. And you never know what is going to <laughs> You never know what's going to be reaped from that story. Amen. Amen. I think just point, thanks for sharing that, Chris. I think just pointing up to that thing, I think it's a great reminder. Steve Dunn from Herne Bay Church was um, with us a few months ago now, and he just pointed out this thing about it takes five years for a coffee plant to produce beans. We're maybe, if we say like when we started Sundays, that was our launch, maybe. So we're a year in. You don't scream at a coffee plant after a year, why are you not producing coffee beans? Because if you're a good farmer, you know you've got to wait five years before anything's going to come off you can make anything with. So the very fact that we're beginning to produce some stuff, we're able to start um, a Cap Life Skills Centre fairly soon in the next few months, that we're able to start sewing into some other things that we're involved in, like both locally and in the nations. We're able to support the Spockiers over in Sheppey financially for the mission they're doing, which is really hard ground. Um, is amazing, but we have to have a right expectation that we're still finding our roots, we're still growing, 
But I think personally it's this thing of like sharing liberally, everyone, everywhere, every day, and just trusting that God's going to bring about growth. And so this whole thing, like in five years, if it takes using that coffee plant analogy, say all of us were sharing the gospel just liberally with, with everyone, everywhere, every day, and all of us saw someone come to Jesus this next year, that would make us, we would go, I've been conservative, 30 people in the first year would become 60. So we've already gone from five that moved to 30. So what if we went from 30 to 60? Straight away, we're going to need some elders. We're going to need some deacons. There's going to be some ministry stuff that needs to get sorted out. Uh, We're going to need a bit of pastoral support and care for the church. God raises up leaders. Um, The next year, we'd go from 60 to 120. This venue is too small. We'd probably have to have three meetings in here just to be able to, you know, not be crammed in. So would we go multiple meetings? Are we going to plant out in the cinema? Are we going to plant out into Tenham? What we're going to, you know, like just in two years, this all just has to change. So we, we can't get too settled here. This isn't, this isn't what we're here to build. This is just a great place for us to meet. The next year, 120 to 240, all of a sudden, all of our relationships look radically different. The intimacy that we've got in this small setting now, where I know what's going on in your life and you know mine, there's 240 people. Sociologically, you can only really know what's going on in about 80 people's lives. That's kind of statistically proven. Some more, some a bit less. I'm rubbish with much more than 30, so this is works well for me. But 240, just community looks radically different. We, at that size, we would have to have something like 13 or 14 house groups just for everyone to be connected in somewhere. So that means, man, we, over the next two, three years, we need to really be raising up leaders. So you start thinking, okay, if this is where we believe God might take us, not that we can make this happen, but just using it as a bit of a metric, how do we prepare ourselves? We need to invest in leaders. We need to be thinking about not getting too settled here. And, you know, could we put some banners up on the wall in Costa? This isn't, our, this isn't the destination. We're passing through. I love that biblical imagery. We're passing through. This isn't our final resting place. The next year, year four, 240 to 480, that whole thing of things being able to be kept together centrally. At the moment... I can be a good barge driver and I, a good captain of the ship. I know what's going on. I can pull all the strings. Church of 480. I've, I've just, we've, we've come from a church of about 250, 300. Um, it had grown beyond the ability for any one person or any one team to be able to keep tabs on everything that was going on. You get to 480. That's 500 people. You have to decentralise everything. So why don't we start there? There's complete autonomy for the gospel to go to everyone, everywhere, every day. You don't need my permission to baptise someone. You don't need my permission to share the gospel with someone. I might be able to help you and train you into how to do that. But I don't see that in the... Oh, we've all got to ring up Paul. Oh, sorry, I'm sharing the gospel with someone. Can I lead him to Jesus yet? Yeah, what about baptism? So all of this stuff is stuff that we need to get confident in. That it can go beyond the centre. So it can go everyone, everywhere, every day. So it can literally reach Tenham. If I've got to go to Tenham just to give Adam permission to do... That's ridiculous. I'm not a bishop. I'm not a pope. I don't think that's, I don't see that in the, Old Te- in the New Testament. I don't see that as a model. I think there, there's some stuff that we need to rediscover of the viral New Testament church and about every disciple being equipped for every good work of service, not just some works. Oh, you, you, you're good at the welcome, you're good at the tea and coffee, but you can't do anything else. You can't share the word with people because of your gender. You can't share the word with people because you're not a man. We see that in some churches. So, do you get what we're fishing for? We want to rediscover something of where Junior is literally teaching the great apostle, Apollos, about the gospel. He's meant to be a great apostle when he's got a lady who's teaching about the gospel. So there's clearly some teaching and instruction going on there by 
by women to men, to the great apostle, straightening out his gospel, gospel, gospel story. In year five, we'd go from 480 to 960. It's nearly 1,000 people. That would be 1% of, um, of our town would have been reached. 65,000 people in and around Sittingbourne, surrounded villages, we'd be over 1%, 1.5%, something like that. That would be huge influence. You think 1,000, wow, like, that's everyone everywhere every day. There are literally people everywhere. That's just us. Imagine if God could do that. And that's just us, each of us, just faithfully investing in relationships and seeing one person come to Jesus. Like, just to make it real, I went out on the street for an hour, led one person to Jesus. Man, what if I went out four times a month, once a week, for an hour, and by the grace of God, once a month saw someone, just 12. And we all did that. Just gave an hour a week to share in the gospel with people we don't know, scary as it is. And, and, and each of us saw a person a month. We'd be looking at, in five years, we'd be looking at like 12,000. That's one-fifth of the the town reached for Jesus. That's just us. What about other churches? So I don't know about your heart, but how big is your heart for those who don't yet know the gospel? What are we going to give ourselves to? It can't just be about having nice comfy Sundays where it's... It's, it's got to be about this. It's got to be about seeing the gospel going into the hearts of other people. And so everything that we do over this next year really is just going to be steering the barge into that direction. We're not going to go full throttle so we all fall off and, you know, we're all stuck in the water and Gordon's shot off and he's just out on the street sharing the gospel and everyone, what's going on here? We don't know what's... We're all going to go together in our own way and some will be a bit, like Chris said, some take a bit longer to... Some of the early adopters and you'll be like, let's go now! And, um, and others will be like, oh, it's going to take me like nine months just to warm up to the idea, you know, and that's okay. But the main thing is the thrust of the church is going to be in this direction of hearing stories. How's it gone with you this week? Who have you shared the gospel with? Can we pray for you and for that person? Who are you sowing into? Where are you sowing the gospel? We're going to give ourselves to praying for this work. Leading with prayer, leading with the gospel and praying for it. Preparing the soil. Combating those moths and the things that would like to cause rot and make things diminish and fall away. Actually, in prayer, we're going to defend the patch that God's given us. He's called us into a new field to sow seed. And there are things that are going to come in and try and destroy that seed. Birds that are going to try and pluck it up. We're to go in and toil the soil and protect what God has entrusted to us. And that is sitting born swale, Kent, the nations, however big your heart is. It might just be your family or your road. A few neighbours. But we're going to, in prayer, we're going to like, right. No one's getting in on this. God's entrusted this to me. I'm protecting it in prayer. I'm going to be watchful for it. I'm looking for the signs that someone's coming in to undermine what God's called me to reach. Yeah? Sound all right? And then we're going to give ourselves just really to obeying Jesus' word together. Let's read it together. Let's put it into practice together. And as we do that, it's going to grow in our hearts and then we're going to have more to share in the hearts of other people. And that will look, out of that will then come leaders. So as we're talking about multiplication, God's called us to multiply. He'll multiply leaders. People who, who are the ones who, who, when stuff's kicking off in the church, who are losing sleep. They're, they're the leaders. They're the ones who are responsible beyond, their heart's big enough for beyond themselves. They're thinking, man, it's like, when we were on holiday and we heard the story about Millie being in hospital, it was amazing to hear of the people that were organising and responding to stuff in faith, rallying people in prayer. They're the leaders. They're the ones saying, come on church, we're going to defend what God's entrusted to us. This family, we're going to ra- rally around and support these people. 
We're going to get together. We're going to pray. We're going to fast because that's what we're called to do. That's leadership. God will raise up people with a heart like that. When something's really kicking off in someone's life, who's actually thinking, man, this isn't on. There's someone trying to undermine that family. Let's really rally and pray for those people. That's leadership. And I trust that God's going to raise it up. We haven't got to run around doing that. God's going to raise it up. If we're all giving ourselves to this, we'll all grow, and then we'll have stuff to share in other people's hearts. Does that sound all right? So next week, part two, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of what we think this might look like. It could sound overwhelming. (gasps) There's going to be training things, and there's a comedy thing, and there's this thing, and there's going to be gospel sharing. We're going to try and organise everything in such a way that it complements what we already do. We're a barge, we're not a speedboat. We're on a mission, we're going to plod along slowly, we're going to make sure we're all together, that, that we're agreed on it, that we're happy about it. There's going to be support for those who want to get growing God and to do it. And so next week we're going to have a little look at some of that. And just so one notice really, just to wrap up, there was a, a little link that I shared on the WhatsApp group about um, meeting in groups because um, we need to multiply midweek groups because we want everyone to be able to connect. Um, and so it would be great if you've not had a chance to respond to that yet, please do. Otherwise, when we start a group and it's on a night you can't make it, I don't want you complaining that you can't get to it because you've not responded. So that, that's what will happen. If we haven't caught the screenshot of like what everyone can do, you won't be considered in it because we won't know. And the church, it, I can probably run around 30 people and tap you all up and say, hang on, you've not done this yet. But when we get to 300, 400, 1,000, I'm not running around 1,000 people to try and get everyone to do some online thing. It just doesn't work. So we're just going to start with what is scalable and reproducible and decentralizes. We want to decentralize as much as possible now so that as we multiply, that's just part of the DNA. That it's not all hinged to individuals or a core team. Does that sound okay? So what I want you to do, just because we're... It's half 11. Wow. I'd love you just to pray very quickly. Maybe one of you on your table, just God help us with this. This is a big vision of what you've called us to. We can't do any of it. We can't multiply the gospel in other people's hearts. We need Jesus to come through and do something through our obedience. We can faithfully go, but his spirit needs to do something in other people's lives for it to work. And so can we just pray for that on our tables and then we'll wrap up. Great.